Chronicle Stories of the Supernatural. And I am here, as you can see, at a very beautiful Gothic cemetery known as Lexington National Cemetery. And as you can tell, I'm in the older part. And this is a cemetery that's on 170 acres. It was established in 1849. Primarily, apparently, there was a large uh, cholera epidemic. And I think that was what uh, some of the very earliest interments were for. There's it's 170 acres, 64,000 interments, and they're still still open, and it's beautiful. I'm just in the oldest part here. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene. I want to let you know that this podcast version of the show has been edited because there were some portions of it that just don't make sense for those of you who are just listening. However, if you would like to see and hear the entire show, you can go to YouTube and look us up under Miami Ghost Chronicles. And thank you so very much for listening and being part of our audience. You just saw me going through Lexington Cemetery trying to capture some uh, type of names or words on the many ovulus that I carry around but uh, I was outmaneuvered by all the ambient noise that I had going on around me uh, with the lawnmowers and everything else so I decided to uh, tell you a little bit about the ghost stories that are attached to the cemetery and Lexington itself because it has a very haunted history and you can see me walking around there uh, and in the meantime I'm going to tell you the stories and for those of you that are just listening to it I'm sure you're going to enjoy it because like I said this cemetery on Lexington itself is notorious for its ghosts so here's a few of them first of all uh, they're in uh, Lexington Cemetery even though I didn't get a chance to go to it the mausoleum is said to be very haunted and visitors have reported hearing disembodied voices strange noises and even uh, blood-curdling screams coming from inside and this has been reported throughout the years uh, there's also reports of strange shadow-like figures which are seen moving around near the back of the mausoleum and um, that people that are there uh, feel themselves overwhelmed almost anxious like in fear of either anger or that they need to leave the area immediately other witnesses have even commented on smelling a foul odor at times and some people just write it off to rotting vegetation but any of you that have worked uh, in the paranormal field know that uh, any type of bad smell sometimes is connected to uh, a dark or angry spirit now um, again one of the um, one of the things that I learned about Lexington Cemetery is there's a lot of famous politicians and war heroes that are buried there and you can read about them almost anywhere on the internet or in a book but I'm more interested in those that are overlooked by history and instead of being famous are more likely notorious and if any soul should be restless and prone to haunting it's gonna be any of the following um, I checked in there and back in between July 2016 and August of the same year within a one-week span two people drowned in the pond there in the cemetery uh, right at the end of July was a 29 year old man who fell in and drowned and within a week uh, there was an 11 year old 
who fell into the same pond and drowned. This is within a one-week period. Um, now, uh, this is um, this is a lady by the name of Anna Gertrude Brown. Okay, she's buried there in a cemetery. And back on July 4th of 1902, she committed suicide by taking carbolic acid that was because she had not been able to get morphine. Believe it or not, she had developed an addiction to morphine after having it prescribed for pain two years before. Apparently, she was not able to get it. Her husband lived in Cleveland, and she had gone to visit her father who lived there in Lexington, and she took the overdose and died in her father's arms. Uh, His name was Richard Pike. And uh, she was only 25 years old. And what happened was, what happens a lot of times in these cases, uh, her father and her mother and the rest of her family are are buried in New York and in Vermont. They left her buried uh, there by herself in Lexington Cemetery because, especially back then at the turn of the century, uh, suicide and addiction carried a very very heavy stigma Uh, then let's go fast forward a few years back on July 17 1911 there was a girl named Debbie Harvey and whose real name was Alice Eli she was a prostitute who was murdered by a butcher named Oliver Broadus he stabbed her to death and he pled insanity since he had a history of mental illness when his own father tried to commit suicide by slicing his throat he was unsuccessful and his father Reuben that ended up dying in 1925 and is buried in Lexington, Lexington Cemetery. Now, before Oliver uh, killed Debbie, he had threatened suicide several times before the murder. Uh, he killed her in July. Back then, justice moved very swiftly. So in October, he was already there for a trial and he was acquitted and sent to Eastern Kentucky State Lunatic Asylum because they judged that he was insane. Uh, Within a few months in January of 1912, he escaped from the asylum, and uh, almost 18 months later, in September of 1913, he was arrested again for stabbing a man by the name of Lee Forsyth. Uh, This happened because Mr. Forsyth had placed a complaint against him for cruelty to animals because he would stab dogs to death before torturing them. After that, he was returned to the asylum. He promptly escaped the same day by scaling a fence. Now, after this last run-in that he had with the law in 1913, he disappears from the records. So I'm assuming that he was finally sent back to the asylum and kept in a restricted area where he just could not leave because obviously this man was dangerous. Now, Debbie, one interesting thing about Debbie Harvey was that she worked for a notorious madam named Belle Breezing. Uh, at a brothel located on McGowan Street, which is now Northeastern Avenue. Bell uh, paid for her funeral and burial. Like most working girls, their families had cut them off and didn't want anything to do with them. So Debbie was buried in Lexington Cemetery. And interestingly, Bell's first job in a brothel began in December of 1879 in a house maintained by a madam by the name of Jenny Hill, which had the distinction of being the former residence of First Lady Mary Todd Lincoln. Believe it or not, her residence ended up in later years becoming a brothel. Uh, Also, 
Belle Breezing. Uh, she was also thought to be the person that the character Belle Watling from Gone with the Wind was based on. So let's get down to some ghost stories. Uh, one that I found talks about a phantom hitchhiker the best. And uh, the way it's described is that leaving Lexington, going towards the capital in Frankfurt, you take the old U.S. Route 421, and before you're out of the city, you will see the vast expanse of Lexington Cemetery on your right. The grounds are well kept, and just across the road is a somewhat smaller Catholic cemetery. Now, the story is related as having occurred back in the mid-1930s. Uh, and this was when teenagers uh, would go to the big city on Saturday nights. And uh, most of them uh, lived in the town of Midway. Uh, because it was Midway between two larger towns. Anyway, the story goes that two young gentlemen uh, borrowed their father's Model A and around midnight they decide they, they need to go back home because they're going to be working on the farm right before daybreak and they wanted to get in a few hours of sleep. Uh, it was springtime, it had rained earlier and there was a swirling fog that made them drive a little bit slower than they normally would. Now as they're driving along one of them sees a young woman on the right side of the road just to where the entrance to the cemetery is at. So he stops and offers her a ride. Now she tells him uh, that she was glad that they wouldn't mind going out of their way. Now the other brother gets into the back so that the young lady can ride up front. And uh, they drive off, and they've only got about a tenth of a mile. They're coming to the near to the end of the stretch that passes through the two graveyards. One is Lexington, Lexington Cemetery, and the other one is the Catholic Cemetery. And supposedly this girl reaches over, puts her hand on the driver's arm, and tells him to stop, that this is as far as she's going. Now, the driver says he feels a cold stab of fear because when he looks down at her hand, he realizes that her arm is withered and bony. And when he looks up at her, this girl who moments ago had looked as she was dressed up for a nice night out on the town is looking like a desiccated figure with wrinkled skin and a tattered gown. He hits the brakes hard enough to stall the engine and he's trying not to scream as the figure fades from the seat and a thick billow of fog sweeps over the front of the vehicle and blows off to the left towards the high iron fence of the old Catholic cemetery. He looks back to where his brother's sitting behind him who is now pushed back as far as he can go. He's got his eyes white as saucers and he's white as a sheet. And all he's saying is start the damn car. So this is an occurrence that is supposed to be true. 
that happened to two brothers back in the 1930s. Now, on a final note, um, several people over the years have reported that they've had to swerve to keep from running over a woman who darts across the road between the cemeteries, especially on foggy nights. Makes you wonder, is this the same lady that decided to take a trip in the car with those brothers back in the 1930s? Now we're going to go on to another story. This is quite a way back, and this is uh, about an old house in Lexington in which murders have been committed and it was known to have been revisited by the spirits of the men that were murdered there and that during the small hours of the night many strange sights were seen and there are hundreds of noises heard now one of these houses is located on East 3rd Street just beyond the city limits now remember maybe it was beyond the city limits when this story occurred now about once a month, a few minutes after the town clock strikes the hour of midnight, there is some ghost in there that removes the bed clothing of all the persons that may be sleeping in the building. And each time the sleepers have been awakened with a start and a sudden feeling of chilliness as if a cold wind were blowing. The present occupants of the house who stated that they don't believe in ghosts have used every means in their power to discover how the bed clothing is being systematically removed. And even though they've lived there for 10 years, they've really been unable to find a logical reason for it. Uh, another ghost that haunts a Lexington home is that of a former prominent merchant who uh, had a principal business over on the business side of the street of the city and uh, he left his family behind occupying his old home now among the members of the family is a small child who had for months been holding conversations with somebody in one of the upstairs rooms claiming that it was a departed father now, this merchant that passed away, he was also a flat first-class performer on the piano. And now every night after he died, his family would hear the piano being played by invisible hands. Just the same ones that he would like to play when he was alive. Um, the spirit music has supposedly been heard by persons that don't even belong to the family while they're passing along the street. And they are, of course, unaware that who's playing the keys is not alive anymore. Uh, the family has kept quiet about it. And, of course, because they don't want the notoriety to arise that one of their own who's passed away is haunting the family. And here's a question for those uh, learned in many mystic lore. Does the spirit of the dead merchant really return to its former home and play favorite numbers on the piano for its own edification, or does it play it to let the family know it is still watching over them? 
and has a warm interest in the welfare of those dear ones left behind. Who can answer? Now, this is another story of a haunted house in Lexington that dates back to 1919. And so, as described is, it's an old substantial brick residence located on one of the principal thoroughfares in Lexington, which has been considered a haunted house ever since the War of the Rebellion. Old citizens claim that during the war, a wounded Union soldier who had met his fate in the Battle of Richmond and was being taken care of by the family that then lived in the house was brutally murdered by a southern sympathizer in the cellar of the residence. Ever since then, so the story goes, there have been unhappy doings and mysterious noises seen and heard in this old mansion at regular intervals of six months apart. At these times, when the families occupying the house would be at supper, lights left in the living room and other parts of the house would be extinguished, and sounds, very much like the groans of a person in agony, could be distinctly heard. No one ever saw anything other than this until a few evenings ago. The family that has been occupying the house for the past three months and who did not know of the supposed existence of this peculiar ghost were sitting at their table eating supper at about 6.45 o'clock. The parlor had been lighted up as there was some young company visiting the house and the lamp was brightly burning in the living room. The servant girl had occasion to go into the parlor and living room during the progress of the meal and when she returned she exclaimed, Miss Sally, did you blow out the lights in your room and in the parlor? And Miss Sally did not know, of course, and before the astonished household could not recover from their surprise, they heard deep groans coming from the living room, which was separated from the dining room by the folding doors. The groans grew louder and more agonizing in their tones until suddenly the folding doors opened backwards and in the center of the threshold, the now thoroughly frightened family and friends beheld a sight which is usually supposed to freeze the blood with terror. There stood the form of a man with his hands uplifted, and he seemed enveloped in a white gauze, through which could be seen a bloody and apparently bleeding breast. The apparition only remained in sight of the terror-stricken family, but a few seconds and slowly disappeared in the gloom of the darkened room behind it. The supper was left unfinished and there was no sleep in that house that night. The next morning the head of the household notified his business partners that he would not be at the office that day and before night he had secured another house into which he moved his family the next day. This story was given by a neighbor and a friend of the family who is thoroughly a reliable man and says that every word of it is true. This story did make the newspapers the Bourbon News back in June of 1919. And these are some stories of some locations in Kentucky, not necessarily in Lexington. There's a house in Campbellsville called Highstand House. It's an abandoned stone house, which is said to be haunted by the Highstand family. 
who built the structure in the late 1800s. Their ghosts have been reported in the building and in the family graveyard many times over the last 50 years. A destitute family allowed to live there in the 1930s reported a number of ghostly phenomena, including oil lanterns that would light by themselves. Uh, Campbellsville is located in central Kentucky, uh, approximately 19 miles south of Lebanon on U.S. Highway 68. And this two-story house is on 1075 Campbellsville Bypass. Now, the next ghost story we have is a phantom seen on Highway 55. And it's the ghost of a teenage girl that is supposed to haunt the stretch of the road. Uh, several witnesses who don't know each other have reported encountering her ghost in the last 20 years. She usually hitchhikes in rainy, overcast weather, and she's usually seen wearing a wet cotton dress. Uh, she's the kind of ghost known as a vanishing hitchhiker, which means she usually disappears as the driver approaches the spot where she has asked to be dropped off. Uh, she's usually seen on Highway 55 south along the Green River Lake and also in Cane Valley area. Uh, another unusual sighting is uh, in an area called Smithridge. They have their description of a large hairy creature who terrorized this area back in the 1890s. Dozens of people went on the record to say that they had seen it and horses refused to enter the woods where this monster was sighted. Was this a cryptid, a Bigfoot, who knows? These woods are in South Campbellsville in the Smithridge, Carthage area. Now we go to Covington. Uh, this is a ghost by the name of Mary Whedon and her thoroughbred stallion named Husser's Gold. And they are said to roam the countryside in that area. Uh, the story goes that in the 1890s, Mary owned a breeding farm called Corbett Acres, but she encountered family problems and she ended up losing her farm and everything she owned. So what she did was she escaped to the thick woods and lived there with her horse, her beloved horse, Husser's Gold. Now, after 12 years of living in the woods, she was discovered by two men from Lexington and they spread the word of where she was living, her meager existence, and of course, that she has this beautiful horse with her. Uh, people started to come and visit her, including her relatives, but she wanted nothing to do with any of them. And she went on to live the rest of her life in this forest with the stallion. Now her ghost and that of the horse have been spotted by dozens of people over the years. She uh, appears wearing a calico dress, walking slowly next to her beloved horse. Now, Covington is on the Ohio River uh, towards the northern end of Kentucky. And these phantoms, they're usually seen in the Berry Bush country about 30 miles northwest of Covington. Uh, the next one is the ghost of the Grey Lady who stalks the quarters of a three-brick mansion called Liberty Hall. 
Now the house was built in 1796 and up to 1937 was in the family of Mr. John Brown, who was a prominent Kentucky senator. Now the great lady is believed to be his aunt, Mrs. Margaret Verrick, who died in the house shortly after she arrived there from New York in the early 1800s. Uh, she was buried in the garden and even though her remains were moved later on to another cemetery apparently she is still haunting this location sightings of her uh, are described as a small gray ghost gazing out of a window or doing chores and she's been reported for over 150 years two other ghosts also seen here is one of an opera singer who stayed there in 1805 and uh, she was kidnapped by Indians from the garden behind the house and the other is a soldier from the War of 1812 who comes to one of the ground floor windows and peers into the living room. The actual location uh, of the house, which is now a museum, is at 218 Wilkinson Street, Frankfort, Kentucky. Uh, then we come to another uh, cemetery, Ridge Cemetery. Uh, there's a report of the ghost of two brothers who killed each other in an argument that took place inside the graveyard back in the 1880s and they're still haunting the place. Uh, the people in that area say that they make the presence known by a tinkling sound like a tiny bell ringing which is very unusual because I've heard of reports of that tinkling bell noise but it's usually accompanied uh, by very dark um, spiritual manifestations so that's unusual there uh, then we go on to Greensburg and this is an apparition of four men carrying a black coffin which have been seen in the kitchen of a house uh, and on top of the coffin is a small white lamb now, the first time that this was seen, this apparition was seen by was the Raglan family in 1932 when they went into the kitchen for breakfast one morning. They immediately called the sheriff who could find no evidence of anyone playing a joke on them, nor could he explain how this happened. Uh, this is in an area of Greensburg called Happy Hollow, uh, which is, again, 30 miles south of Lebanon on U.S. Highway 68. Um, the house, though, is right now a private residence located on Highway 61. Next, we go to Harrodsburg Spring Parks. And this is a ghost of a young girl dressed in a white gown. And she's seen in the park where she's buried. Now, her ghost is seen wandering through the park. And she disappears into a spring house, which is right behind her grave. Now, the story goes that uh, she, uh, when she was alive, she made up a name. And she checked into the Harrodsburg Springs Hotel. This was about 125 years ago. Now, her first night at the hotel, she went out and she danced at the ballroom until the dawn and of course she had many young men that were lining up to ask her to dance 
Now, at the end of the night, uh, one of her gentleman partners realized that she had died in his arms. Now, she was given a funeral and buried on hotel property. And when the hotel burned down about 50 years ago, the city took over caring for her grave. The metal marker over her grave says, Unknown, hallowed and hush, be the place of the dead, step softly, bow head. Now, um, this, is, uh, this is located in Harrodsburg, which is about 25 miles southwest of Lexington on U.S. Highway 68. And Harrodsburg Springs Park is at the center of the town. Now, as to this story uh, about the unknown girl, I checked out into it, and apparently it's true. Okay, this was uh, once upon a time. It was a, a very a great resort that had a spring house over the site because they used to have uh, mineral waters uh, that would flow into it, and of course, like uh, many people of those times, they would go to the hotels and take the mineral waters. And as the story said, this young lady checks into the hotel, claims she's the daughter of a prominent judge, and just as the story described, she dances all night long and then collapses and dies. When they go to her room, her trunk only had contained the dress she was wearing. They could find no type of identification, no diary, no ledger, nothing. And apparently the hotel owners waited a week for someone to come and identify her, and no one did. So they decided to bury her on a property near a large tree with the marker that I just described. Now, years later, the ballroom burned down, and the springs dried up, and the hotel became a military asylum. Now, uh, along the years, other fires occurred and the place was pretty much forgotten by the early 1900s and so was the existence of this mysterious dancer until one night a woman who's walking near the gravesite tells her friends that she had an encounter with this ghostly figure uh, she says that she has a figure approach her and that the figure says can you help me please you see, I was dancing at the Harrodsburg Springs and I've lost my way. And the woman says, oh my dear, don't you know, Harrodsburg Springs burnt down to the ground more than a hundred years ago. And when she tells the figure this information, the ghost of the girl begins weeping and disappears. And now everyone's wondering if this was the lady who danced herself to death 200 years ago uh, and the truth is that uh, now historians believe that the grave may contain the body of Molly Black a woman who disappeared from Tazewell Tennessee around that time but as long as the body stays buried no one will know for sure so that is definitely one urban myth that turned out to have some type of truth to it. Obviously a lot of truth. 
So let's keep going on to our next story, which of course, no story is complete without a UFO sighting or abduction. And this took place in Liberty, Kentucky. In January of 1976, three women, they're driving home near Liberty after having dinner together. And suddenly this huge UFO glides over the highway in front of them. Now, the object was gray and they described it as being 100 yards in diameter with a white dome on top. Now the middle of the UFO was encircled in red lights and four red and yellow lights were visible underneath the craft. Now the next thing they can remember is that they're approaching the lights of Houstonville at about 1.25 a.m. Uh, this was a two hour, nearly two hours after they saw the UFO. The name of the ladies were Louise Smith, Elaine Thomas, and Mona Stafford. Were examined by doctors, and they were found to have unusual red burns on their necks. All of them were exhausted and suffered from dehydration. Uh, when the women were placed under hypnosis, they all recalled being taken aboard the alien vessel and physically examined. Uh, this abduction occurred next to the entrance to a cow pasture flanked by a field stone wall uh, in Liberty, which is in central Kentucky, about 25 miles south of Danville on U.S. Highway 127. Uh, the group was leaving Stanford and the UFO was sighted eight miles south of Houstonville on Highway 78. Now we come to Mammoth Cave National Park. Uh, this is the largest cave in the world and has attracted a number of ghosts. One is a black slave guide named Stephen Bishop who loved the cave so much he refused to leave it even when offered his freedom. Another spirit of the cave is a southern lady named Melissa who brought her Yankee lover to the cave in 1843. She took the man deep within the cave to Purgatory Point and left him there as a prank. The man was never seen again, and Melissa's ghost still searches the area known as Echo River. The ghost of Floyd Collins, who died after being trapped for 16 days in nearby Crystal Cave, is also said to wander the grounds. The case became so popular that in 1926, Collins' body was removed from his family plot and displayed in a glass coffin at the entrance to Crystal Cave. The grizzly tourist attraction proved very profitable until someone stole the corpse. It was finally returned to the cave. However, for some reason, the body was missing its left leg. In recent years, tourists have reported the unidentified ghost of a man dressed in an old-fashioned cummerbund. Others have witnessed a disembodied pair of legs running down the hill near the main visitor center. The legs were wearing denim overalls and work shoes. With over 150 sightings of ghosts reported, Mammoth Cave is one of the nation's most haunted locations. And Mammoth Cave is 20 miles northeast of Bowling Green on I-65. Well, guys, thanks for listening and viewing. Uh, please hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. If you're listening to me on podcast, 
please subscribe to my channel. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I want to thank you all so very, very much for being part of my audience. And I want to remind again my true believers, if you've had an experience of any type or just retelling any type of urban myth, I would love to hear from you. Reach out to me at Marlene at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. You can film yourself. You can tape yourself as an MP3 or just write me an email, whichever you prefer. But I'm looking forward to uh, hearing from you guys. And if you have a lot of stories, we can even set something up where I can interview you on Skype and put you into some of my shows. Again, thank you so much for being part of my audience.